Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State football podcast presented by Zaxby's. Cure your cravings, stop in today or visit zaxby's.com. I am Scott Wright of the Oklahoman, joined by columnist Jenny Carlson. Jenny, we got to meet the quarterbacks. We got to talk to them. Why do I feel like trumpets need to blare? Right, Dun, exactly. Da, da, da. Yes. Uh, <laughs> they have voices. They can speak. We, uh, we learned that. Um, two very interesting guys, I thought, in my, uh, in my brief interactions with them. Um, so for, our, for, for the first segment here, let's, uh, let's just talk about, about these guys. Uh, your, your initial impressions of, uh, of Spencer Sanders and Drew Brown, the Oklahoma State quarterback uh, com- com- competitors. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was super excited to just have a chance to sort of hear their voices. Yeah. And, you know, what were they like in those moments of, um, you know, fielding questions and uh, answering uh, their thoughts about, the competition, about the offense, about where they stood, all sorts of things. So that was just interesting in and of itself. But two pretty darn polished guys, I thought, Scott. Um, And, you know, obviously you're dealing with uh, Drew Brown, a fifth-year guy, older guy, and Spencer Sanders only in his second season on campus, a redshirt freshman. So you're dealing with two guys at different points uh, in their, you know, progression, age-wise, all that sort of stuff. But I thought both handled themselves well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there were, I thought there were serious moments. I thought there were moments of levity, um, you know, honesty, all that sort of stuff. So I, I enjoyed it. But I, I think that when it comes to um, sort of understanding how these guys are handling the situation, which is obviously, it's not the easiest thing to deal with. Right. But I think you got a sense of why they're handling it well because they they do have a an air about them that makes you think these guys are they're not immature they're not um gonna do anything that you know is crazy and you know just interpersonal skills and that sort of thing so i think that sort of gave a little insight as to why they may be handling things as well as they are yeah and and i mean you know there there was one moment that which i wrote about in my story where they they briefly interacted over the heads of the guys in between them and spencer sanders was giving drew brown a, a hard time about something i never understood what he said drew brown wouldn't come clean about what what he might have said uh but it was uh, it was a funny moment and they uh you know they uh, they both talked about how much the other guy likes to laugh and 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 how much fun they are to be around. I thought that was an important factor of, of this. You know, uh, we talked to Sean Gleason uh, uh, back in uh, the last day of July, and mm-hmm. and he told the story of of the 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 barbecue that he had at his house and and those guys leaving together in the in the same truck and he said you know you don't you don't see that from guys who are competing who don't like each other and that's going to be a uh, a big factor i think in this whole this whole thing going forward um you know spencer sanders and what uh, in what little time i spent with him um, you know, you can sense that he does have that that young gunslinger confidence that uh, that kind of comes out in in the way that they described the, his his play. Um, you know, it was funny in uh, in one of the videos that uh, that didn't get near as much uh, uh, publicity as the first ones that Oklahoma State put out. Uh, they asked those two guys to to name a player that the other one resembles and drew brown picked aaron Rodgers for uh, for for spencer sanders which i thought was uh, interesting but it it fits a lot of the the descriptions of what we've heard about sanders and risk taking and uh, and things like that so um and for the record um spencer sanders 
selected Drew Brees for uh, for <laughs> <laughs> for Drew Brown. I have no idea if that was just a height related uh, uh, observation or what. But well, by the way, both those guys that they picked for the other one, pretty darn good, regardless right. of height or otherwise. Exactly, that, those are some pretty complimentary comparisons. But not for both, not not bad at all. Uh, but um, their their personalities, I think, are going to play a huge role in uh, in in all of of this because this is a really tricky situation that Mike Gundy and Sean Gleason are having to navigate, Jenny. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Mike Gundy uh, referred to that a variety of ways in his press conference at, at Media Day on Saturday. Sean Gleason talked some about it a few days before when the assistants were made available, and I know he's probably spoken about it uh, in a variety of other ways and times uh, elsewise. But, you know, Gleason... He said he wants these guys to get in there and fight. You know, mm-hmm. he wants that dogfight of of them to be how they approach this. And I think they are fighting it out, but they're doing it seemingly in a way that isn't, as of yet, the near as anybody can tell, divisive. Right. Um, and you wrote about that, and and I did to an extent as well, coming out of media day on Saturday. But there's. Mike Gundy talked about the fact that when you're dealing with quarterbacks, it's not like running back, wide out, line positions, any other position that you've got to battle for because while it's important to those guys at that position, nobody else is really talking about it. Yeah. When it comes to quarterback, it's a it's a whole locker room situation. Yeah. Everybody has an opinion, whether they voice it or not, right. they still have an opinion. They have a favorite and Truthfully, if this competition is as close as we think it is, then you got to think right now that OSU locker room is about 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. These are two guys that are likely to be um, you know, successful regardless. You look at Drew Brown, two-year starter at Hawaii. He's got the experience, that sort of pedigree. You look at Spencer Sanders, a five-star coming out of Denton Ryan, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's got the pedigree to be successful. The big question is, who gives you the best chance to be the most successful? And right now, it sounds like there's no obvious choice. Right. And so you've got that internal potential divide. And so I don't think, I, my indicate what I wrote, and you heard it too, Scott, Mike Gundy would like to have a starter. Oh, yeah. He'd love to name one. He'd love to do it today if he could, right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. But I think there's a recognition that not only have these guys given a, enough of a, a case for themselves to have that chance to play, they've also not allowed the other one to say to the team, "I'm the guy to right. show that to show that to his teammates that I am clearly the best choice here." And until that happens. It's tough to name a starter yeah. because if you are picking the guy that – or you're picking a guy just because those guys that are on the other guy's side, they're, you know, what, what why? You know, why didn't my guy get picked? So right. it, it is a trickier situation, and that may be – that may speak exactly to why we may not see a starter name before the opener because they may feel like until these guys have the final – push to see what's the difference between these two in a game situation they may not feel like they can make that determination and as I said again it's not only is it fair to the two guys involved 
but how does it affect the team more largely? And I think that's that may even be a trickier bit to navigate. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, everybody does have an opinion. There's, uh, you know, a, a defensive lineman who thinks, oh, Spencer Sanders gets away from me every time I get in the backfield. He should be the guy. Or there's yeah. a defensive back that thinks Drew Brown – is hitting his spots every time because uh, because he's beaten me all these times. So he needs to be the guy. Literally, everybody's got a thought on on who the quarterback should be, and and who they think has the, the chance. Especially guys who are seniors that this is their last go round. Mm-hmm. They want this team to to succeed. They don't want to just sacrifice this year to build for the future. Uh, if if Spencer Sanders isn't necessarily the best guy or uh, or you know whatever ever situation it might be. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a uh, a really difficult situation to navigate all the way through. Um, let's uh, let's take a quick break and we'll get into a little bit more and what uh, uh, what Sean Gleason might be facing uh, in terms of putting an offense together and uh, and some uh, some different things. She's Jenny Carlson. I'm Scott Wright. This is the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. I am Scott Wright, your host, joined by Jenny Carlson. This is the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State football podcast. Next uh, next podcast, we'll open up the mail back again. Be sure to uh, to jump in there. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Scott Wright OK and uh, and shoot me a question. Email me swright at oklahoman.com. Want to hear from you? We'll uh, we'll take one segment of the show to uh, to answer your questions about the quarterbacks or uh, the defensive line or. Mike Gundy's hair, whatever you uh, you feel like <laughs> discussing. So, um, can no, I so, can I bow out of that discussion? Uh, That's you, you can. Okay. Um, I I got I got asked not to derail this, but I got asked on a, on a radio show that I that I appeared on. One of the first questions was <laughs> how 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 often uh, is Mike Gundy's hair discussed? <laughs> and my answer was once every time i go on the radio with someone <laughs> uh because that's the only time that it really comes up anymore at this yeah point. it's become sort of a it's just it, it is like it used to be will he keep it what right. will it look like now it's just kind of part of like yeah. i almost don't remember what he looks like without right the mullet yeah. frankly so there you go there's my there's my one hair uh, discussion for, for the for the month thank there you, you very much it's uh it's much more of a national thing than uh than than a right. local thing we're all we're all used to it um, but Mike Gundy and his hair are debating their quarterback. Uh, Sean Gleason, who has less hair, uh, debating uh, the starting quarterback. He has has a, a two pronged uh, part in this because not only does he have to make the best decision uh, along with Gundy, what's best for the team between Spencer Sanders and Drew Brown, he also has to sort of design an offense for guys who are similar but not identical. Um, what what do you think, Jenny, is the biggest the biggest task that that he faces in in trying to trying to put this offense together, not really knowing yeah. who his guy is going to be yet? Well, that's a, you, that's a great challenge. I think as we were talking in the first segment, the challenge of how this plays with the team is the mm-hmm. biggest of the right, challenges. Right, right. But when you've got a first year offensive coordinator who is coming in and learning the offense and then having to figure out how to nuance it, that's a pretty big challenge for Sean Gleason. Um, you know, you're, you're not talking maybe about as wide a ranging issue as, as sort of 
morale and those sorts of things. And that could be a, a huge problem if it's not handled correctly. But how does Sean Gleason, how does Sean Gleason, uh, you know, adapt and how does he take what he's done before and use it? And uh, obviously this new offense, he doesn't know it as deeply. I'm not saying he doesn't know it because I think he's a smart guy. I'm pretty sure he's got it all figured out at this point, but yet the, the calling it live and all of those things. I mean, like that is, that has to wait until game action comes. So I think it is going to be an interesting challenge for him. By all accounts, these two guys are fairly similar in their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you're as, as Mike Gundy pointed out on Saturday and he has several times previously, this isn't a situation like Mason Rudolph, JW Walsh, right? before Mason Rudolph kind of added the run game uh, as, his, as his last season, we saw him run it more. But he was more the thrower, J.W. more the runner, and so they were able to use the two, two quarterbacks in the system that way. This would be a, a different situation depending on how long you're using two. Um, but, you know, I think they both throw it pretty well. Sanders, by all accounts in high school, was an extremely mobile guy. So how, is, how are they able to incorporate – his mobility, his elusiveness. You don't want to put a guy into harm's way. I think right. they've backed away from having quarterbacks run as much as they maybe once did. Mm-hmm. Mike Gundy doesn't seem real excited about that. So I don't think they're going to have him run the ball 12 times a game right. or something like that. But I do think that is something that he has, and Drew Brown being a little bit smaller, probably not going to trend as much to doing stuff like that. That may be the the thing that they'll have to figure out most, but it, it's an interesting question yeah. that I, you know I'm sure they have a much closer handle on. But when you're talking about a new offensive coordinator learning a system that's new to him and this, that's a lot to stack up. Yeah, it is, and and you, you know that he wants to be starting his his game planning thoughts moving toward that. You know, this will be the time of year when you're when you're thinking of of you know all these different things that you're going to do with your offense and he's having to to sit there and and think you know it can can spencer handle this thing that i think drew brown can do really well can drew handle this thing that, that spencer does really well um and and all of those different things as he's trying to analyze how he's putting it together and analyze being a really key word because this is a guy who is as we're learning really uh, dove deep into analytics early in his career and and loves looking at at the numbers and um, you know it, from from the sound of, of the way a couple of guys have talked he's he's even analyzing the way they practice because he will look at a play that that they're practicing a certain amount of times and say okay how much how often are we going to call this in a game and if it's only once a game he's like why are we practicing it 20 times in a practice you know so that that sort of thing so um it's uh it's definitely something where you know this guy wants to be building the the playbook that he wants when they get into the season and and it's uh it's a, a bit of a of a juggling act and you know it seems you know, my gunny said definitely. If they had to play today, they'd be playing but two guys. Um, it's it's hard to envision this really settling itself before the Oregon State game. Jenny, do you do you differ at all on that? I mean, I guess something could happen to make it suddenly crystal clear to everybody. 
but if if they're really that close, I mean, let's say a guy, let's say they have a scrimmage. I think Sean Gleason mentioned about ten days into the start mm-hmm. they were going to have a scrimmage. Maybe one of them plays great in the scrimmage, and the other one's just so so. But what if that's just feels like a one off? Right. Right. I mean, what if they've been completely similar up into that point? Do you say, well, this was important. This was, we tried to simulate game day. We tried mm-hmm. to simulate, you know, everything that that's going to be. And this guy was clearly our best guy. Do you do, do you go that way? Or do you say, well, it's just one day. Right. Right. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think that again, unless, unless you get a bunch of those days and by a bunch, I'm saying, four, six, right. yeah. where you say, this guy was better today. Guess what? He was better today too. And two days before he was better. And in that scrimmage, you know, if you start to tile them up that way, I think that starts to resonate. But short of that, and you know, they're not going to have, I mean, it's not like they've got 40 practices before right. the yeah. opener. Exactly. So if they're continuing to be close, let's say for another week, the amount of time that one would have to really, you know, be able to separate would be pretty short. They'd yeah. have to get after it. So, and I, it's not like they haven't been getting after it. They're just, they're close in their, apparently how they're competing out there. So yeah, it seems unlikely. Yeah. Just with the amount of time that they have to look, unless one guy just really hits the accelerator. I, I mean, I would be surprised. Yeah. It, it almost feels like this would be, uh, more likely solved by a guy slipping in the shower and spraining his ankle and missing two weeks of practice than than one of them going out and outperforming the other significantly between now and, and August 30th. So it's uh, it's a it's a wild situation. We'll uh, we'll see where it goes and obviously uh, uh, keep you all informed. Let's take a uh, another quick break. Uh, as I said one last time, I'll remind you you can uh, reach me at Scott Wright OK to jump in the mailbag for uh, for next the next episode of the Cowboy Chronicles. But uh, let's take a quick break. This is the Cowboy Chronicles podcast presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. I'm Scott Wright of the Oklahoma, joined by Jenny Carlson. Wrap it up, Jenny, with uh, with just some other thoughts from uh, from Media Day. We uh, we talked to the quarterbacks and uh, and and spent some time on that earlier, uh, but we got to talk to uh, a lot of other folks. Um, I, I saw you at the end of the day talking to Jelani Woods, and then and then he stood up, and it was like two of you uh, next yeah. to him. Um, yeah. I was I was looking. We were looking fairly close eye to eye there when he was sitting down, and then he stood up, and I was reminded, oh yeah, this guy's <laughs> really tall. Yeah, I got a chance to talk to Jelani for an extended period about. Um, his switch to, to tight end cowboy back, um, you know, how that it's been right about a year since that's all gone down and how he feels headed into this season after what I think a lot of people felt like was a breakout year, Mm -hmm. you know, really saw him develop in that role. And, um, yeah, interesting. He basically played tight end all through his growing up, Mm -hmm. got to high school. And I think his high school coaches thought, you're way too big to be playing tight end. We needed the ball in your hands. And so then he moved to quarterback. So the fact that his road got, he changed positions, but came back to the position that he played all along as a kid because that quarterback uh, time gave him a chance to get a scholarship, get to OSU, and then find this 
you know, path back to playing that tight end position. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting that, that that happened, but, um, just, um, fascinating. He told me at one point, uh, when he was teenager, uh, he's, he's by far the tallest person in his family said his mom's maybe five, six. I can't remember exactly what he said. Dad's about six foot. He said he, he thought, he would probably get to about six foot and stop growing. He said, but then, but then it dawned on me, like I'm in sixth grade and I'm six foot. (laughs) (laughs) And there was a time when he was in his teen years where his shoe size matched his age. 12, (laughs) he wore a 12, 13, he wore a 13. I think he said he stopped at 16. I think he wears a size 16, which for a guy that big is actually his feet don't look disproportionate. They almost look small. Yeah. Like you see guys in the NBA who are that tall, six seven, six eight. By the way, he said without his shoes, he's a little under six seven. I said, but you intend to wear shoes this season? <laughs> yes. Okay, you're six eight. Um, but you know, you see guys his size in the NBA, and it's almost, you know, you wonder how do they get their feet moving? They're so big, right. yeah. you know, twenty, twenty one, those type of, you know, shoe sizes. So he doesn't have the the super big feet, but. I can only imagine his parents who were sort of of average size watching him mm-hmm. continue to grow and grow out of clothes and right. shoes. And I mean, we have kids and I know it's like you think they're growing and then to think about that, it's yeah. like, how do, how would they have even wrapped their head around that? But yeah. um, I'm looking for big things for him this year. Um, yeah. We've talked about the height that they could potentially throw into pass patterns at any given time. Mm-hmm. But he definitely is at the top of that list. And just his ability to really create space for himself, uh, not only you know there, but potentially in blocking situations, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what he does this year. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. I, I visited with him just briefly um, as he was head, heading out the door. Um, and we talked about how he was a quarterback in, uh, in high school and briefly in college. Uh, Dayton Metcalf, who is another of their top three, I think the three, the main rotation of cowboy backs, uh, was a was a uh, quarterback in high school out at Hooker, uh, and had some great success out there. Now he's playing cowboy back. Logan Carter was an offensive tackle and uh, and defensive end, and uh, and now all three of those guys are playing really well and, and making an impact for this team at uh, at that cowboy back tight end position. So uh, very uh, very interesting to see the the path of those guys. One of the, one of the uh, one of the guys that I that I talked to that I really enjoyed first time getting to talk to uh, Colby Harvell Peel. And uh, I asked him, because you and I, Jenny, have had this conversation. I think we had this conversation driving home from Memphis after the Liberty Bowl about how big a game that was for the secondary, and in particular that final play, that final fourth down play, where Peel makes the read, runs out, and tackles Drew Locke. And, uh, and I, I asked him, and I, I, said, I said, you know, a lot of people – Outside the program, talk about what a what a you know monumental play that was for you guys, building confidence and going forward. And and he says, yeah, he's like, I've heard that, I get it. He's like, but it was just another play to me. And and he said, he said, you know, confidence was never an issue with me. He said that's why he felt like he was able to to come in and play as a true freshman. Um, but at the same time, I was like, but you still. Like if I asked you to describe the play, you could take me through every detail of it, couldn't you? He was, oh yeah, absolutely. And so I asked him, and 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 he did. And my favorite part of the story because he he diagrammed it exactly what he had to do with the guy he was reading, and then and then sprinting out to uh, to to tackle uh, Drew Locke. He said uh, it was one of those moments that he wished he could have celebrated immediately, 
but he wasn't sure if he had tackled him short of the first down or not. So he didn't know if if he had made the game-winning play or not. And so he immediately got up and looked, and and then uh, and then they uh, they realized it after after the measurement and all that. And it was uh, obviously euphoric at that point. But that was uh, that was his 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 big takeaway from uh, from that play. But I got to speak to him. I spoke to Jark Bernard as well. First time getting to talk to him. The other guy who was a true freshman safety. Both those guys are very well spoken and uh, and great to talk to. Anybody else that uh, that you spoke with that really stuck out? You know, it's interesting you bring up Bernard. I didn't have a chance to talk to him, but his name came up when I was talking to Jim Knowles Mm -hmm. um, during the the assistant coach availability about a a week ago. And he brought up the fact, I asked him, I said, when you're talking about uh, trying to find recruits that can play defense in the Big 12, I said, is there a magic question you can ask these guys or to kind of get through to to get a sense of can they handle this? You can look on film and see physically, but mentally, how do you know a high school guy is going to get it and be able to handle it? And Knowles admitted there's not, but he said a guy like Jarek Bernard coming from Evangel in Shreveport, lots of times guys that are coming from programs that have a track record, you can see that they've – mentally gone through a lot of what you're going to ask them to do. And they've got another guy from Evangel on the roster this year. Uh, Knowles expects expects some impact out of him fairly young. Having uh, And coaches will go anywhere to get guys. We know this. Oh, yeah. I mean, James Washington was in Sanford, Texas, and you know they found him and made him into one of the best receivers in the country. So they'll go anywhere. You don't have to have the pedigree. But I thought that was interesting that when it comes to – trying to piece it together can a high school guy make the transition to the college level that knowing that that track record you know the unions the jinxes the broken arrows in Oklahoma that have those pedigrees that they can produce those sorts of players how that becomes another notch out there for those guys I thought that was really interesting so I'm fascinated to see it, not only Knowles developing the defense, but continuing to evolve who they get, who they're looking at, who they're trying to bring in. Um, how does that look in year two, three, four, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, going back to the, the Evangel guys, uh, Knowles didn't know the exact number, but uh, according to the Evangel coach via Knowles, this is third-hand information, but, but uh, a significant number of c- players consecutively that have come out of that program, like over 20 is what Knowles said he thought the number was, uh, that have come out of Evangel, have gone to FBS schools and played as true freshmen. Wow. Jarek Bernard being included, Nadrian Desidere, the other guy you mentioned, uh, a linebacker who uh, came in early. Uh, really benefited from that for two reasons. One, just being there early. Uh, but number two, a lot of linebackers were injured in the spring and, and were uh, spending a lot of time out. So he got more uh, action than he probably would have. And that's why Knowles really feels that he's a guy that can add some depth, be a special teams guy as a, as a true freshman, and, and, and continue that trend that, that Evangel has, uh, has done because those guys are so well prepared, uh, coached so well, and, uh, and, and really ready when they show up at, uh, at the next level. And we'll get to talk to him next year. Yes, we will. <laughs> tune into the Cowboy Chronicles this week, a year from now, to hear what we think about talking to Nadrian Desidere. I'm who, sure he'll wow us. I'm sure that he will. Uh, nicknamed Dizzy, uh, according to, to Jim Knowles. So Perfect. That's, that's great. Yeah. Gotta, I can't gotta wait. Like Sign me up for Cowboy Chronicles <laughs> 2020, uh, August 15th or whatever. I'm there. I'm there. You I'm go. there, there. You go. 
All right, Jenny. I think uh, I think that about covers. Unless there any uh, any other uh, outstanding points from uh, from Media Day. No, it, that was. A, I, I know it was Fan Day. I know that there was a lot of interaction. Fans got to get autographs and pictures and stuff. And I know that's a great time for people. I think it jazzes a lot of people for the season. And while Big Twelve Media Day is kind of our unofficial start to football, mm-hmm. I always feel like when we get to Team Media Day, it's like it's really truly yeah. time for football because those guys have reported. Oftentimes had practices. So to me. It's it's official official now that, that yes. football is here and we're uh, we're getting ready to go. It is here. It absolutely is. That will wrap it up for the Cowboy Chronicles. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can uh, you can find us in the Apple Store, the Apple Podcasts. Uh, Cowboy Chronicles can be uh, subscribed to and uh, rated and uh, and all of those fun things on on there. So be sure and do that for us. We appreciate all of you listening. This is the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's.